0: Welcome to Beaver Life with Lucy Green.
1: Hi, welcome to another Beaver Pod Life podcast. We've got Tanya Sundra with us today, who is an equine practitioner in Western Australia. Tanya's become quite famous lately after pro- producing a paper alongside our president, Dave Rendell. Um, and I've got Tanya here to talk to us about how she came about to write papers whilst in practice and um, generally about her career in Western Australia. So hi, Tanya. Hi, Lucy. How are you going? Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, good, Great to have you. Um, so could you give us a quick rundown about the paper, first of all? Because that's really how I came to meet you and how we got to know you over here.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so really, the paper was a study, a case series that I did at my practice looking at the use of a um new medication, I guess you could say, called atagliflozin. It's usually people stop me and ask me three times how to pronounce it, but <laughs> um, that's how I pronounce it. So, it, And we demonstrated that through um, some cases that I saw that atagliflozin was effective at reducing insulin levels and also speeding up the recovery for laminitis for um, a number of horses and ponies that were refractory to conventional diet and management changes. So it was really quite exciting.
1: That's brilliant, and and how did you come to meet Dave? So obviously, I know you you obviously wanted to do this paper, presumably, and you thought you'd bite the bite the bullet. You got in contact with him, I I I gather, and uh, sort of broke the ice with him and just said, "I want to write this paper." Is that how it happened?
0: Uh no, actually, um, <laughs> sort of during COVID, I'd I'd seen I know that he'd done a few webinars and um, done a few other various online CPD things. So I I think I just sent him an email and just said, "Hey, you seem." pretty cool and you know about what you're talking about so do you feel like having a chat about some cases with this random vet in Western Australia and it was during COVID so probably pre-COVID I never would have thought to reach out to a specialist on the other side of the world and ask them if they wanted to do a Zoom so it's one of the good things that came out of COVID Um, and he said yes so we started chatting about cases for probably a good six to twelve months um, at various intervals and One of the things that we talked about was some really frustrating laminitic cases that I was struggling to manage and owners were actually considering euthanasia. And he said to me, he's like, well, there's this new medication. We don't really know if it's available. We don't know how effective it's going to be. But, you know, if your back backs up against the wall and the owners are wanting to give something a go rather than putting these ponies down, then it's something to try. So we tried it and had really good results and you know the speed at which these horses recovered really surprised us so probably after a few months I I, we were kind of chatting and I said look this is really good information I think other vets in practice might benefit from it you know how do we go about getting it out there and he said well you know best way would be a paper and we could see if you've got any data that's worth publishing so when if someone told me a couple of years ago that I would be publishing a paper from practice. I would have told them they were absolutely bonkers and I had no desire to, to write anything from practice. Um, but since doing it, it's probably been one of the most rewarding things I've done in my career. So it's, yeah, it's um, it was challenging at first. And I guess when, for most people, um, if you haven't published before, the thought of writing a paper is really daunting because you go, how on earth do you get from, hey, I've treated these cases, seen some good results, to let's get the information out there and get something published. Um, but ultimately, I think what, what we did and what Dave did and also um, my other co-author, Aaron Kelty, who's at the University of Western Australia, they both were really supportive and really mentored me and they broke the the stages down into really each individual component part. So, okay, firstly, just look at your data and let's go through that, see what you've got. And then while Erin was running the stats, you know, Dave said to me, just do a literature review and start writing an introduction up. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you structure an introduction? So then you break it down into different paragraphs and different things like that. So really breaking each component part down into the individual sections just made it really easy for me. And eventually after a few months, it's like, wow, we've actually got paper let's you know submit it and see where we go so um it's not as daunting when you break it down into the individual steps so just a matter of doing the work then
1: yeah that's amazing because I think you're right it must be I mean I'd, I'd be totally freaked out by the idea of writing a paper from practice and be convinced that everything I've been you know the data I've gathered isn't worth anything but actually having some help like that from people that have done it before makes it a really achievable thing. And presumably it's led to some really good opportunities for you. So since it's been published, what's, what's sort of come from the paper for you as a as an Ambo vet that was out doing sort of GP work? What have you found has been the opportunities? Um,
0: well, I think one of the one of the most rewarding things that I've found is, you know, when we're out treating cases and we're driving around in our cars and, you know, we get the opportunity to help the horses that's directly in front of us and that's in our practice base. But publishing something and putting the information out there. And look, by no means is this a really robust, strong clinical trial. It's preliminary data that will hopefully lead on to more things. But having the information out there, it's really, really quite fulfilling to know that it's got the opportunity to help horses all around the world and help vets everywhere, you know, and. And, you know, it's sort of expanding our network and having vets contact me and say, hey, do you think this is a case we could use it on? And it's people that I've never met. So, and then they send me videos of these ponies, you know, bucking and carrying on and um, running around their their paddocks, which, you know, the owners were considering euthanizing just a few months ago. So that's been probably one of the most rewarding things. Um, And then also, like you say, just the networking side, because I went to Beaver for the first time last year, which was a great conference. And I recommend anybody who hasn't been to definitely go. The Brits are crazy and they party really hard, but it's a really, really good conference. Um, And yeah, I'd presented an abstract there, which again, is not something I would have thought I'd be doing. Um, But it's, and it was quite scary, like most things, because I haven't had any experience presenting at conferences, but it's really, really, really rewarding. And I think it's, um, it just pushes you to just step outside your comfort zone yeah. and it just pushes you, you know. We talked about this um, a little bit before that our in daily practice, it's you get caught up in a bit of the grind of clinical practice, right? And the day-to-day, you know, going out and seeing this and the routine, which is great. And I do love what I do and I do like the the daily interaction with my clients and my patients, but this just gives it a whole other layer and just a whole other side that I never thought was possible so it's just been it's been really good to sort of expand and just sort of stretch myself that way.
1: Yeah and I think you're right I think that's exactly it you know lots of people complain that being in sort of general practice can end up feeling like it gets a bit monotonous and there's nowhere to go and I think there's a lot of people in certainly here in the UK at least from the surveys we've done that are disillusioned you know there's not that kind of progression in clinical practice in the ambulatory sort of first opinion side for people to feel like they're really moving on with their careers as time goes on so to think that there's opportunities like what you've done which isn't just about the hard work which of course it is but it provides the networking contacts you start to get a bit of an identity don't you alongside your your name and your and your and your sort of career um, and you get the opportunity to maybe travel like you have done and go to conferences, you know, present that work. And to think you're doing that for the greater good is actually, that's a massive achievement and and something you should be really proud of. I mean, how, how did you fit it in alongside your day job, I suppose? Because you, you work on your own, right? You're a sole, sole practitioner in Western Australia. So how did you make that sort of work? <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yep, that's me I just drive around in the car with me and my german Shepherd and we see um, <laughs> we see a lot of pleasure horses sort of backyard ponies but I guess yeah. this is it just formed a large part of um, all the cases came from horses that I'm seeing on a daily basis so mm. it it I really enjoyed the work and once I started you know reading up about the literature and mm. um, getting a deeper understanding of it I, it I I didn't really want to stop because I found that it made me a lot better at my job and it means that I could, you know, service my clients and my patients a lot better. But it, I guess it's, you know, I think there was a study done that shows that on average every adult has about four and a half hours of um, leisure time a day and most of the people spend that looking at screens and looking at social media or watching Netflix, which is fine and we all need that, but, you know, I could – sort of use that time when I had free time to just say hey I'm just gonna you know look at this or get this data together and because it was something that was driven by me I never felt like I was pressured to do it it was always just something that I wanted to do so I could do that in my own sort of time frame there was never a case of you know Dave or Erin saying to me hey you need to get this done by the end of the week it was I got it done when and if I could, and when I could fit it in, obviously in ambulatory practice there are different seasons that are busier than others. So that's the great thing about this is you can put as much effort into it as you want when it suits you. Um, and it is challenging, yeah. but it's definitely, it's definitely really rewarding.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's the key. That's a quite a good message there. If you find something you're passionate about and you really believe in and really want to do, it's not chore, is it? It's no, not. Exactly you know it's it, it almost becomes as important to you as your hobby or your downtime and and I think if you can it's finding that thing isn't it finding that thing that really sparks your interest and clearly you did that i mean you you obviously working on your own tell me a little bit about your practice so you obviously set up on your own and that's quite a common thing in australia or at least in western australia where you are there's a lot of soul sort of practitioners um how do you make it work with your sort of out of hours and and your you know when you're away when you're off at your conferences for instance how did you deal with the clients because we're undergoing some sort of reviews with our rcvs out of hours care and under care sort of um regulations i suppose so it'd be interesting to hear how you guys do it where you are because clearly you're a very happy sole practitioner who's fitting in all these other things to do and that's that's quite inspiring to hear from us that are in a different kind of part of the world doing it differently
0: um, yeah, I guess in Western Australia, we're we're probably a little bit a little bit unique um, to other parts of the world in that we're a pretty small, isolated um, part of Australia. And there's a lot of equine vets here, and there's certainly bigger practices. Um, and the university practice as well is a really good referral base for us, ambulatory vets. But we all really get along, so you'd you'd be hard pressed to find a catch up where you know we do meet up two, three times a year and you know, that most people would turn up, you know, we'd get a good turnout and it's just literally just to catch up for beers. Like we had to catch up, you know, for before, before Christmas and we all try to help each other out. So if there's times where I'm away, um, I know that some other practices would be happy to cover my after hours. And also if they've got, you know, I don't have kids. So if there's other practice owners who are struggling and really want to take some time off, then I'll say, well, you know, turn your phones over to me. That's fine and you know i think that's just whole cohesion and working together i think that's really the the future of what we need to strive towards
1: because we and can't guess do it, it all on our own no and i think that's what's so inspiring to hear is that you know in in the uk i guess because we are much more practice based perhaps um it's much more competitive you know the business side of things sort of drives a more of a competitive field whereas where you guys are it sounds pretty friendly pretty symbiotic you know you help each other out and presumably you know, you don't have all these issues of like poaching clients and, you know, doing underhand things, which is so nice to hear because it all just works in, in each other's favor, then, doesn't it? And it sounds like if you can all get out and socialize together, then that makes for a really nice belonging, doesn't it? Like we were talking, I think, before this, we recorded a bit about what's important to people and what makes people happy. And you you mentioned the three things. Do you want to quickly run through those? Because I think that's quite, quite, a, you know, relevant to what we're talking about here about how happy you are working the way you are.
0: Yeah, um, and and these three things are certainly not something that I've come up with. They've come up with people much smarter than me in the world of psychology have come up with this. But there's been studies to show that there's three things that actually makes people and professionals much more resilient to burnout, whether that's in the medical field or professional athletes. And the first thing is autonomy. So being able to work and do things based on, you know, your values and how you want to do things, that's important to people. Mastery, so making sure that you're progressing in a particular field, and Mm. you know working towards something, that's also quite important. And then a sense of belonging and community. So it's it's not always easy to achieve, and there's going to be times where one of those, you know, you don't really feel like you're that autonomous when you've got the phone ringing and things are going on at home, and you're trying to plan this and everything else is going on. But I think for the most part, if you can if you can have those three things, then you know, you're pretty resilient to, to to burnout, which is, you know, I guess the catchphrase at the moment in this profession.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and are you finding that, you know, you guys in in Australia, is there a shortage of vets in equine practice? You know, are there people that are being put off going into it, or people that are leaving it? And and how are how are the sort of clients, I suppose, finding that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that I think that's a um, common trend worldwide. Uh, the shortage of equine vets and the lack of vets coming into equine practice from when they graduate too. So clients are definitely aware of it over here. Um, and I think also, you know, going back to what we were talking about before that I think we, we maybe overstate our importance I think we're more important than what we are a lot of the time. You know, I can, yeah. I can go away or you can have a night off and you know, the world isn't going to come crumbling down around you. The phone's yeah. still going to ring the next day. There's still plenty of work out there. Um, yeah. And, you know, not putting too much value on that I think is is really important and understanding that, you know, downtime is equally as important and spending time with your family is way more important than any horse and any appointment that you have. So prioritising those things is not always easy because, you know, we, we run businesses and we need to make money. But when you, when you come to realise that, yeah, the phone does still keep ringing um, yeah. and people value you for the service that you provide, and, you know, I'll be the first one to admit that if it's a limb lameness, that unless the leg is hanging off the horse, um, <laughs> I'll be the last person you probably want to go and, and work that up. But there's vets in this area who love doing that. And yet they'll tell me they can't think of anything worse than gastroscoping, you know, a bunch of horses every day of the week or treating laminitic ponies out in the middle of the wheat belt of WA. But I think we just all need to work to our strengths and um, not be afraid to refer work to others because I think that allows us to provide a much better service in the long run to our clients and it's much more sustainable for us to stay in practice if we're doing what we truly enjoy.
1: Yeah it sounds like an interesting model you're almost working in a practice way aren't you between you as in your you know you refer to each other you work together very collaboratively don't you and support each other out of hours which is essentially what people do in a practice but you are actually working as sole traders you're actually in charge of your own time you know how you work so it gives you that flexibility I suppose is a word for it to to create a practice life and a work life that works for you I mean that's a really interesting way of doing it but you've got to have people that are willing to to do the same haven't you people that are going to work in the same mindset as you so that's a really nice way so when you when you go away and when you have your time off who who takes on your out of hours do you send things to local hospitals you said you had a university, I think locally, didn't you? And yeah, I see yeah,
0: work yeah. I've got a you. really good relationship with a university here, so Murdoch University. They've got great specialists. Um, they're they're the type of guys that you know I can send them some blood work or some radiographs and say, "Help, I've no idea what I'm looking at." And you know they'll always get back to me and are really really happy to to chat and offer advice in any way they can. So we're really lucky in that way. Um, I usually give them the heads up and say, "Look, I'll be away for." a week or so or two weeks and you know my message bank is going to say contact you guys and they obviously don't have an ambulatory service so people would have to haul into them but you know I think that's that's up to the owners to um to work yeah. out and you know they the area that I'm working at at the moment which is just in the outskirts of Perth which is the capital city here there's plenty of really capable, really competent equine vets. So I don't I don't ever worry about, you know, my clients not being serviced because you can't swing cat without finding a horse vet in the Swan Valley. And, yeah. you know, most people are generally really supportive about helping each other out because they know that I'll do the same for them if they need it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's not really an official business model, but it's just something that we do. And I think the social things that we do where we just catch up for the sake of catching up and there's no CPD involved, there's no, drug company sponsoring drinks or dinner it's just us um, catching up and having a beer but I think that's yeah. you know that's an important part because it's really it's a lot easier to forge those connections and um you know form that sense of community and that we're all yeah. in this together when you know we're just
1: sitting around having a beer that's really nice it really it sounds like the utopia of <laughs> 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 everybody you comes work you. in western
0: australia <laughs>
1: It's great, <laughs> great. Okay, Echoin vets heading out there. I mean it sounds dreamy, really does. Uh, and so does the weather, of course. But how like I suppose a nice way to round this up would be how do you see the next chapter of your career or even the rest of your career? I mean, you might be planning to retire by fifty, I don't know. But what's what's in it for you for the for the remainder, if you like?
0: Um, for the time being, I really I still really enjoy the ambulatory work. I, I love it. If you asked me, you know, if I could go back and change anything, I don't think I would. I love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. Um, I really enjoy the research side of things. And one of the things that, you know, like I said, this was just a little retrospective case series that we published. Um, But since we've published that, it's obviously come up with a lot more questions um, that we want answered in relation to the drug and long-term use. So I've been collaborating with some university groups and Hopefully we're going to be able to do, you know, if we get managed to get some funding together, a few more um, clinical trials with it and explore it further. So I do like the research and I do like thinking that I might be able to head down that path and incorporate it as part of what I do in practice too. So that's quite exciting.
1: And that adds a really nice sort of dynamic variation to your normal day job, which, you know, like we said at the very beginning, can end up a bit monotonous in ambulatory practice for some. I don't know if everyone finds it like that. But, you know, to be able to to dovetail that with a kind of research career, I mean, that's an amazing way to keep yourself inspired, keep yourself entertained, I suppose, as well in your yeah. career. And and that's what it's about, isn't it? That's about that's how these careers are going to work for us, really, is to try and keep ourselves happy and content And and like you say, stick to the three things, the autonomy, the mastery and the belonging. I think that's an excellent take home message for the people that are listening. So, Tanya, I would like to thank you very much for your time. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. And I know we could have gone on for hours because we did to start with before we hit record. (laughs) But, um, But we'd like to have you back. And I'd love to hear, you know, maybe in six months time or something, where you're at and where your research is going, because I think it's a really inspiring, you're an inspiring person, I think, for lots of us out there in equine practice.
0: Thank you for your time, Tanya. Thank you. It's very kind. I appreciate the time.
1: And I hope to see you at Congress in September. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I'll be there. (laughs) Take care. Thanks. Bye.
0: This episode of BeaverPod was produced by Beaver. For more details on the benefits of your Beaver membership, and the products and services offered, please go to our website at www.beaver.org.uk